I know today is going to be a shorter service, so I'm just going to get straight into it. Is that okay? I've got a picture I want to show you on the screen there. This one, this blew my mind when I looked at this uh, this week. This is an image from NASA's Hubble Telescope, and it's of the Andromeda Galaxy, as you can read there. Uh, This galaxy is approximately 2.5 million light years away. Now, a light year is the distance that light travels in one year, which is calculated to be 9.44 trillion kilometres. So take that number, 9.44 trillion kilometres, times it by 2.5 million, and you reach this galaxy. Our universe is big. How many people know that our universe is big? Well, if those figures actually excite you and blow you away, check out this. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, When you look at this galaxy you can see there are a lot of stars Uh, there are so many stars that you can't count Uh, scientists estimate that in the Andromeda galaxy there is approximately one trillion stars not one million stars not one billion one trillion stars and not only that though but the distance between each star in this galaxy is approximately five light years Right, so get into perspective. Let's just say that, let's just take maybe this star right here. Okay, the distance between this star and this star right next to it, it seems, is a lazy 47.3 trillion kilometres in diameter. Now, put that into perspective, step back. A trillion stars, 47.3 kilometres, a trillion kilometres in diameter. It is a big, big uh, universe. Uh, But wait there is more. This uh, galaxy is just one galaxy. Do you know how many galaxies in the known universe? Scientists, four. I think it's a little bit more than four. (laughs) Scientists now believe that if you had unlimited vision, you could hold a sewing needle at arm's length up to the night sky, and in the eye of that needle, you would see around 10,000 galaxies just like this. But then you move it one inch to the left, you get 10,000 more. One inch to the left, 10,000 more, so on and so forth. That is a big, big universe. And the sheer scale of this known universe, billions if not trillions of galaxies just like this one, each containing billions upon billions of stars, each star trillions of kilometres apart from each other. This tells us that not only is the universe big, but our God is big. I don't know how many of you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but if you don't, whatever view you have of God, if you do believe in Him, this is much bigger. God is so, so big. And when I stop and I ponder these things, to be honest, my brain hurts. My brain hurts. It blows my mind. But do you know what? There is something that goes far beyond my comprehension of that. And this is the point that I want to make this morning. That the almighty, all-powerful, majestic, eternal God who created all this, the God of a trillion galaxies, did the unthinkable. He came down at a point of time in history to this little speck called earth in the person of Jesus. To me, that is the greatest mystery of all. The God that created all this came down to earth a little speck called earth in the person of jesus think about it god himself 
in humility, stepped out of heaven, came to earth, was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and was found in human likeness in the person of Jesus, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. And this is the mystery that I want us to reflect on today, church. God became human. Like, think about that. I, I don't, maybe you've been in church circles for many years and we know, yeah, God and Jesus, but no, stop for a second. God, almighty, powerful, eternal God became human and walked this earth. That is absolutely amazing, most incredible mystery. And in doing this, that didn't mean that he ceased to be God. He was still God and still is, but he was fully man at the same time. Now, of course, as a man, his power was limited. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, when he said he set aside his divine privileges in order to become a man. So his power was limited as a man, but he was no less divine. And so the word that we like to use in church circles to explain this is what we call incarnation uh, or God incarnate. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Uh, the word incarnate simply means to be embodied in human form, right? That is Jesus. Jesus was God embodied in human form. And we see, we see this uh, concept of the incarnation in John chapter 1, where the apostle testifies about Jesus. It should be up on the screen. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So right from the outset, John speaks of the oneness of God the Father and the oneness of God the Son. Distinct persons, but one God. And through him, through Christ, all things, the galaxies and everything in it, were made. So he's not just a man, he is God incarnate. Amen? Then verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. All right, this is the incarnation. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? So we see from this scripture that God became human. Now the question that follows in my mind is why? Why on earth would God decide to leave his place of glory and put on human flesh and dwell amongst us. Why would God do that? Why would God come to a broken and selfish and messed up world that we've created? God didn't create a messed up world. It was perfect. We came along and we messed it up. We changed things. We made it that way. So why would he do that? Why would he leave glory to come to earth in the person of Jesus? Well, to answer that, I'm going to quickly share with you three things that happened as a result of the incarnation, okay? Number one, Jesus became our example. As God coming to earth in the person of Jesus, in doing that, he became our example. He came to show us the best way to live. You know, Jesus was the perfect example for us of what it means for someone to walk in loving uh, obedience to the Father, okay? And we're meant to call, we're called to follow his example, 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So you want to live for God? Look at Jesus. Open up the Gospels. 
Look at how he was obedient to the Father. Look at how he treated people. Look at how he treated his disciples, the outcasts, the lonely, how he treated his enemies, how he loved, how he showed compassion and grace time and time again. Look at the way that he lived. And as a follower of Christ, we do that. We follow him. We follow his example. So that's the first reason for the incarnation. Second, that God becoming flesh meant that Jesus became our mediator. Now, as you know, a mediator is a go-between. of someone who seeks to reconcile both parties where there is conflict, right? And the Bible tells us that there was conflict between God and man. Of course, the conflict didn't start with God, it started with us. Man was guilty of this. People followed their own selfish desires and rebelled against a holy God. And that created a barrier between us and our creator. But God loves us so much. He wants to restore that relationship. He wants to reconcile man to himself. So Jesus, through the incarnation, became a mediator between a holy God and a sinful man. And he was the only one that could fulfill this role because he was completely God and he was completely man. So in his divinity, he was united with God the Father, but in his humanity, he was united with us, with mankind. And that's why he became the perfect mediator in the incarnation in order to reconcile us back to the Father. And Hebrews 9 says this, that Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. But how would that be accomplished? How would God, through Jesus, reconcile people to himself Well, this is our third and final point. God becoming flesh meant that Jesus became our substitute. Now, the whole concept of Jesus becoming our substitute is a massive, massive concept in the Bible. You know, substitutionary atonement, for example, points to the Old Testament you know, in Passover, the Passover lamb was sacrificed for the people. And if the blood of the lamb, if that blood was on the doorpost, that family was spared and they were free from slavery. Well, that points to Jesus as the perfect lamb of God who went to the cross that was sacrificed for us. And by his blood, we are healed and we are set free from spiritual slavery. Isn't that good news? That is what it means when it comes to about substitution. But you know what? There's so much more in the Bible about that, that we haven't got time to look into this concept. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to, for the next couple of minutes, try to as simply and as succinctly and as straightforward as I possibly can explain this this concept of Jesus becoming our substitute because really, it really defines the whole point of the gospel. It It is the end point of the gospel. So... This is what it means. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be restored back in right relationship with God the Father. That's what it means for Jesus to become our sacrifice and our substitute. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what it means for Jesus to be our substitute. The innocent was punished for the guilty, so the guilty can go free. 
That's substitution. And guess what? Before you look around and say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not a really terrible person. Can I say every single one of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all guilty before a holy God. It's just part of our sin nature. We are the ones who turned our back on our loving Creator. We are the ones who rebelled against a holy God. We are the ones that broke His laws. We are the ones that deserve to be punished. But God is a God who is merciful. And in His mercy, He did not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, He sent His holy and blameless Son as a sacrifice to go to the cross, to die a cruel death, to atone for our sins and to take the punishment that was due to us. God is a loving God. God is a merciful God. God is a God of grace. Let us not forget that today. And Isaiah 53 points to Jesus when it says that He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And that's what the cross of Christ is all about. Jesus becoming our substitute, dying in our place. You know, today is Christmas Eve. And at Christmas, as you know, we celebrate the, the birth of our Saviour. And I'm so glad that we do. And we should. We must continue this Christmas season to remember Jesus. Don't get caught up, as Greg said, with all the commercial stuff. It's good to get a present every now and then. How do you how many know that? <laughs> but let's not get so distracted by what happens around us that we forget the God who lives inside of us. Let's think about Jesus this Christmas. But we need to also understand, and again, Greg said it a number of times, and I'm going to jump on the back of that, that Christmas is not just about Jesus being born because Jesus didn't stay a baby. Jesus grew into a man. He walked this earth. He lived a perfect life. The only person that has never sinned. And after three and a half years of ministry, He goes and pays the ultimate price by going on the cross to pay for our sin and dying in our place. But here's the good news. You ready? <laughs> he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And after a time, he was went to heaven. He ascended to the Father at the right hand of the Father. And a few days later, he poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. Why? To prove that He is God, that He has complete power over sin and death and to show that He is alive and He wants to have a relationship with every single one of us. But here's something else. Knowing that fact does not save a person. Doing something about it is what brings salvation. You know, you look in the book of Acts and you hear Peter preaching an awesome sermon to the crowd and the people are cut. God's moving. He's touching their hearts. They are feeling convicted. And they say to Peter and the rest of the disciples, brothers, what must we do? In order to be saved, what is it must we do? And Peter says, repent, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, repent. You know what repenting is? It's turning away 
from your living life on your own terms and turning towards Jesus. It means getting, getting real with God and saying, you know what, I am a sinner before a holy God. And you confess that. Don't make excuses. Come before God with open arms and, and open hearts and say, Lord God, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. It's about confession. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's about repenting. And being baptized is just an act of repentance. And when you do that, you turn from your sin, you come to God, you say, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm a sinner. Please, I welcome you into my life. I want to give my life to you. Please, will you forgive me? The Bible promises that He will, and you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And as a new creation, we get to live for Him now on this earth and forever in eternity. Isn't that not good news? But as I said, you can know it. You can know the gospel message. But do you really know it in here? I really get the sense that that God is calling some people here today. Hey, some of you just thought, I'm just going to turn up to a sweet little Christmas service at Uni Hill Church. Welcome. <laughs> God is alive. How many people know that? And He's working and He's moving and He loves you so much. Can I just say, if you know Jesus Christ, you're in the best place possible. We were singing um, carols. And I said, tears running from my face because I love Him so much. When you understand that Jesus has saved you from hell. He saved you from heartache. He has saved you from pain doesn't mean in this life we won't go through heartache and pain, we will. But at least we have hope because we have Jesus. And I feel like God is calling some people here today, you've got to give your life to God through Jesus Christ. Now's the time. So I'm going to pray for a few people and then we're done. Is that okay? I want to pray for people that fit into one of two categories. The first category is that maybe you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right? Maybe someone brought you to church. Maybe lately you've been thinking of spiritual things and you've been seeking God, which is awesome. But you come to a point that you have not yet bowed the knee to Jesus and made Him Lord in your life. But today you're getting a stirring that maybe, maybe is the day, today's the day that you can do that. You can pray to Him and start a relationship with Him. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And I also want to pray for those in this room here that maybe you were following Jesus Maybe you say, I'm a Christian, I've been to church, but you know what? Lately, you haven't been walking with Him. You've been totally ignoring Him. You've been going your own way. You've been caught up with the things of this world. Can I just tell you, there is nothing in this world that ever satisfies your deepest desires. The only thing that satisfies is Jesus Christ and life in Him. So if you fit that category, if you think, you know what? I've turned away from God and I need to come back. Well, maybe the Father is drawing you to Himself today. He's saying, come back, come back. So I'm going to pray. So can I give on just to stand to your feet where we are? We're nearly finished. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer because I don't want to miss this moment. And if you're online as well and God's speaking to your heart as well, you're welcome to do this too. Can I just have everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes, because I don't want you to get distracted. This won't be long. But if you, anyone here in this place, 
If you fit into those, one of those two categories, if you don't yet know God, you don't yet know His Son, Jesus Christ, but today you want to put your faith and trust into Him, in a moment I'm going to ask you to put up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. But if you're also here and you've walked away from God and God is calling you back to Him today and you want me to pray for you, I also want you to raise your hand. So in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that is you, if you fall into one of those two categories right now where you are, can I just get you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Awesome, down the back. Awesome, yes, another one down the back. Awesome, you can put it down once I've seen you. Praise God, yes, over there, beautiful, awesome. People's hands going up. Praise Jesus, He is good. He's good. Anyone else? I don't want you to miss this moment. If God's stirring your heart today, don't miss this moment. Maybe your heart's pounding in your chest. Maybe God wants you to just come to the altar. Awesome. A few people put their hand up. What I want us to do as you continue to close your eyes is that I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And as a church, we're going to join together in praying this prayer, just a, a sign of saying we're going to stick together. But if you raise your hand you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today pray these words copy me with everyone else say dear heavenly father I come to you today I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness I thank you for your love I thank you for the cross and what Jesus did to buy me back I believe He died for my sins and He rose from the dead. And today I choose to trust You and follow You as my Lord and Saviour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? Awesome. Our God is good. You take a seat. Our time is nearly up. Uh, I just want to say a, a big thank you. Um, God was really stirring. I really felt God was really speaking to people today. So if you put your hand up, awesome. You prayed that prayer. God welcomes you in. You're a new creation in Christ. Now, from this day onwards, your life is going to be completely changed. <laughs> you thought you had a good life before Jesus. Now that you got Jesus, watch out. You have purpose. You have hope. You have joy. And you have a God that will never leave you or forsake you. So if you put up your hand and you said, I prayed that prayer, uh, I think we might have a packet. Yep, got them ready. Got a pack that we want to give you. Just talks a little bit about the decision that you made and what you need to do from now on. Um, but also, uh, if, as I'm going to put the pack in your hand, I want you to come to me. Right? I'll just be down there just to tell me that you did that. So I can quickly pray for you. Put that into your hands and uh, send you on your way. Make sure that if that's your first time commitment and you don't normally come to this church, we want to welcome you at Uni Hill Church. It's important. I mean, I know next week we're not turning up. But watch online and the following week, come, be part of the body of Christ, be part of this community. We love you and uh, we love Jesus. All right, can I just close in prayer and then we're done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us so much that you gave us your son, to be born in humble circumstances, but to also grow into a man, live the perfect life we could never live, and then go to the cross to die for our sins. 
And we want to say thank you for doing that, Lord, because you love us that much. We also know, Lord God, that you raised from the dead and you're alive. And I ask, Lord God, that this Christmas season, you'll continue to speak to us. You'll continue to meet with us and that you'll you will transform us from the inside out so that we can represent you well this Christmas season wherever we go. We thank you for our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.